Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. This is Daryl Easy D. Fulton with PCH, Professor Craig Hawkins. Listen, we gave you a number to call. If the number was busy, please take an opportunity to call call in. And if we it is busy, then wait for we drop one call and you can uh, put it on the speed dial, as it were, and give us a call back at one triple eight LA Talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Good brother Eric is ready to receive your phone calls, setting up these calls in a very professional mannerism, great spelling, and all that kind of good stuff. Eric, appreciate that. Uh, you can go to our website, ladies and gentlemen, at BibleInfoBrokers.com, BibleInfoBrokers.com, and send us an email question by simply clicking contact us, and you can type out your email question uh, very succinctly, and we'll be able to deal with that as well. Now, uh, PCH, uh, someone called in a while ago, um, Audrey, and I was going to bring her up to ask her what particular website you just gave. I, I didn't want to make sure I got the context right. Did you give a website? that I didn't write it down, but do you remember the website that you gave in your last presentation? You mean as far as emphasizing the the Greek words? I think that may have been it. If Audrey, if you can call back to make sure it is, but I know you, I know you gave someone's website, and I forgot what it was. I didn't write it down myself, and someone called about getting it. So if you remember it, great. If not, then Audrey can call back in, and we can bring her up and have her ask that question. Right. Well, yeah, I I didn't give a specific website. There's because there's a number of them. Mm-hmm. Um, what I just simply emphasize, and here's the key point. It's the search. Go on your search engine and look up. Gotcha. Uh, type in something like Greek term, Greek word for, and type in the word. Uh, but you can use the phrase. Uh, less will get it generally, but you know Greek word, Greek term for uh, for humility. Right. Greek word, Greek term for meekness or meek, mm-hmm. and the Greek word for coward. Um, and you will come up with a number of sites, and one of them. Uh, I don't recall it uh, uh, because I used the book, but I've actually looked it up online before and I've actually come across it. Is it's it has, for example, a gentleman named uh, Trench. Uh, Trench was an archbishop. T R E N C H, mm-hmm. like the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was a phenomenal scholar, uh, particularly of languages, and um, he has some great material that comes from his uh, um, synonyms of the New Testament. Um, Trench did a work, a number of works on languages. Again, he was a philologist. He specialized in studying the etymology and the meaning origin of words uh, in the New Testament uh, and uh, the Bible in particular. And uh, but it's Trench, and, and you'll find his his comparison of, for example, the words uh, uh, meek and uh, uh, meek. Excuse me. Uh, meek, uh, well, actually, it'll have the word gentleness as well. But just look up meek. Also, look up the word humility. He has one I compared humility to some other words. And uh, anyway, it does a phenomenal job. And it'll not just answer uh, Timothy's questions earlier, but uh, give the Christian just some great resources. You really realize how much we're missing out. Uh, you know. Sometimes there's this idea, just real quickly, Daryl, that you know, current works are better than older ones, and that's just simply not true. There's some works that are just classics that nobody's ever surpassed them, mm-hmm. and their research, even with all the modern tools and computers, uh, there are cases where we've we have not done as well as uh, previous generations in some areas of study. I got you. Was just a master of uh, uh, of of. of Greek and Hebrew, for example, and that did a phenomenal job. Gotcha. So yeah, that's what you're looking for. 
Okay, I, I hope that I hope that's good enough for Audrey. And I know that uh, they sent me a note to say that she was uh, visually uh, impaired. So I know on the computer, sometimes you can have it speak to you. So uh, even with the uh, the computer, if you're going to go on these websites or even type uh, get those words in, there's a way you can do it also. Um, yeah, uh, by, by voice, and I'm sure Audrey exactly. can work that out. And if not, and or then this is where you get a good Christian friend and say, hey, look, I need some help. Exactly. I need you to type this in, and then I need you to read this to me. Right, and, right. And I tell you what I would do, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Audrey, uh, I believe it's her name, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if she's has visually impaired, she knows it's better than I do. Uh, but what I would do is I'd have somebody read it to me, and I'd have a recorder right there yes. or something to record it. And I'd, yes. Because uh, otherwise you hear it, and then you forget it. But that way you could go back and listen to the recording over and over again. Exactly, exactly. I know some of the the, the um, websites I use, even I use some of the, the Bible applications on there, like the Blue Letter Bible and various things like that, that have all those. A Bible gateway has those various meanings in the Greek and the, in the Hebrew and things like that. So listen, PCH, let's go back to the phone call. We asked people to call in. Now they're calling to load our lines up. Let's go ahead and honor the calls and take as many calls as we can. Let's go to our good friend Dan in the South Bay area. Thanks for calling in, my brother. Dan, you're on with us now. Yep. Sorry, I had to get my uh, mute off. That's okay. Yeah, we got I want you to have background noise. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. What you Merry want to do? Christmas. Absolutely. Merry Christmas to you as well for the whole season, the whole world. That's right. Well, at this time of the year, though, he wasn't born at, uh, born on December 25th. It is the time that we've set aside to to recognize his birth. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, hi, Craig. Hi, Dan. But I have to say, hey, good to, always good to hear from your brother. By the way, we don't know when Christ was born, so it wasn't for, that we're for sure he's born to December 25th. But it's not that we know that he wasn't either. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, well, pretty, pretty good because the sheep weren't out there in the middle of winter, one. Oh, Two, but that's not true. We, we that's don't know the tr- time of his birth, but we know when his cousin was born, John the Baptist. and it was. Yeah, but actually that's Baptist. not true. Even to this day, there are sheep out in Israel, even as we speak. That's really? Actually in the middle of winter? Not cr- yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's still a good time all the time, all year <laughs> long, to remember his birth I, and his death and his regular. We'll we roll with that. All right, Dan. Well, hey, what's your question tonight, my brother? Uh, well, first, let me say, uh, I like the analogy you're making earlier, Craig, about we're not doctors, but but we are soul surgeons. I told that to a doctor the other day. Uh, I, I said, I'm a minister, and uh, you guys do surgery, but I do soul surgery. Um, awesome. It, it, was, it was right in Harbor Yosemite Hospital with the whole staff looking at me. Good stuff. Uh, the holy boldness that comes on me sometimes. Anyway, I want, the question has to do with, and it's a good time to ask a question like this during this time of the year. Shush. <laughs> not uh, you, Craig. <laughs> yeah, that's why I have my phone muted. That yeah. Stuff yeah, that's why we want you to get to the question so we can not have that on live radio. We understand. Okay, here's, the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the question. The question has to do with uh, why did Jesus have to come to earth? And I'm going to answer the question, which proposes, uh, which will bring up another question. To reveal the Father, to defeat the works of the devil, and to redeem or ransom mankind uh, from going, having to go to hell and having a Christless eternity. Now, am I missing anything? Well, I'm sure there's always more to be said. Anytime we say something, I often, in fact, you'll hear me at times, will say, it's it's maybe a lot more than this, but it's not less than this. I always want to be careful in saying this is the definitive or exhaustive, 
you know, list or explanation of something, um, you know, so, so we uh, talk about being abridged or truncated. And, and certainly there'd be more, more to be said. There's so many dynamics, but those are certainly some of the richest, uh, some of the greatest motifs, we would say. Hey, by the way, before I forget, I want to make a comment on just one, one other point you made and then come back to this, and it still relates. A.T. Robson, another phenomenal, incredible Greek scholar, a New Testament scholar, uh, wrote this grammar of the Greek New Testament, like 2,000 pages. I mean, it's just phenomenal. He's in the, from the 1900s, trenches from the 1800s. But at any rate, and he, has, he has a work called, it's called A.T. Robson's uh, Word Pictures of the New Testament. Um, and at any rate, he goes through and often gives you a brief background of the Greek text, and, and, and sometimes the insights are just incredible. And on Galatians 6, 1 and 2, you know, the text that talks about if, if a brother be overtaken in a fault, right? Uh, you who are spiritual, the spiritual among you, mm-hmm. to restore such a one, uh, considering yourself, lest you fall into the same condemnation. Uh, but the word there, restore, he talks about that, he, and he mentions that it's the same word used of mending of nets. And so he says, so, uh, of course, fishermen, people who fish, have to mend their nets. Uh, but he says the analogy, the point of this passage is we are to be menders of people's souls. Uh, and it's one of my favorite phrases I've ever heard, a, a mender of people's souls, like uh, the Lord Jesus, like you said to the, to the medical doctor. So just wanted to share that with you as well. So, yeah, those are certainly, you know, we talk about the big three of Christ, prophet, priest, and king. He is the prophet in that he speaks definitively God's counsel to us, as prophets did in the Old Testament, spoke to the people on behalf of God. He, of course, is the priest. He is, as the writer of Hebrews uh, says so, so well, uh, he is the high, great high priest forever by the power of an indestructible akatalutas, indestructible life. He is forever our high priest. Whoever lives to intercede for us, as we read in First John, Chapter 1, for example. And, of course, king is to rule and reign over the entire universe, the Pantocrator, the all-powerful. His sovereignty, his providence, we would say those are different terms, but related providence and sovereignty um, extending throughout the universe. And, of course, yeah, indeed, he, and he does that by redeeming us. Uh, agorazo, the Greek word, we get agorazo, the word for market, agora, that is, and he redeems us, he purchases us, and he redeems us, what, from the slave market of sin, where slaves were literally sold, put on off and on auction blocks, and uh, treated like a commodity and sold off to the highest bidder. Well, uh, we have been sold into the slave market of sin, and Christ redeems us uh, from uh, our bondage to sin, and particularly to the devil, who has taken us captive to do his will. So those, there, there's, oh, yes, much more to be said, Dan, but, boy, you certainly hit the big ones. Right. I, I appreciate that, Dan. I'll, I'll throw one out, and no one ever wants to talk about too much. seems like it in Matthew 10, one of my favorite ones, actually, it says, hey, Jesus said it himself, I did not come, don't think that I came to bring peace to the earth, but I did not come to bring peace but a sword. And he says, for I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And maybe that's the thing that Timothy is dealing with over there who called in earlier, you know, just sort of tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, Jesus is saying, hey, when it comes down to me, you got to draw the line, and you got to draw the line maybe even in your own family, because the man's own household would, you know, turn against him when it comes down to, is it Jesus, or is it mom or dad or whoever? Jesus said, it's about me. Yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, it's indeed speaking the truth in love. And, of course. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, that's a great point there, Daryl, absolutely. So, yeah, Dan, the, the, those are some of the, the great the great motifs 
uh, the great themes of the Bible and of Christ and who he is. Just It's kind of like doing a word study of, of the titles of Christ. Uh, it's always incredibly yes. profitable. Uh, but you dealt with some of the, the biggest um, uh, aspects of who Christ is and what he's done and what he's, what he's accomplished and what he will institute when he reigns in, uh, in totality. Someday, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't so much about everything that he's done. Most of the things tie into our redemption and, and why he was here. Uh, but but the three reasons that he came were to reveal God, to set the captives free, and to uh, and re- reveal the Father, set the captives free, and uh, right. And, and I can't remember my other ones, but. Well, well, sure. To the point sure. of being tamed, though, the the meekness that you were talking about earlier, most of the time, the better meaning because what what meekness, the connotation we have of that today, isn't the same. What they meant in the Greek was like a you have a stallion horse. You don't break that horse. You gentle it or you tame it, and it's power under control. Yeah, we had mentioned that. Yeah, we had mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I did a at my Sunday school class that I helped teach and lead. Uh, I did a two Sunday series on on meekness prautes. And went through, uh, and A.T. Robson has some phenomenal things to say on it, and uh, the Matthew 5, 5, and then Matthew, was it 15, 13 or 15, uh, where, where it talks about meek, uh, meekness. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll do that, I'll teach you that on the radio sometime. But yeah, Prautes, P-R-A-U-T-E-S, long E, the second one. Uh, that's exactly what it is, and it was used... The Greeks didn't admire it that much because they <laughs> right, thought that right. people often ended up being on the cowardly yes. side, on the uh, timidity side. Uh, but they, but the Bible, Jesus makes it incredibly noble, and Trench does a phenomenal job of showing how important it is in related to humility, and it is indeed that strength under control, and it is not dropping a nuclear bomb. When when uh, uh, it's using the appropriate amount of force, I know Daryl understands this. Cause exactly. This work you talk about escalation, escalation, escalation. de-escalation. You have yeah, to be able you to only mm-hmm. you don't start using deadly force, but that's only as a last resort. But it is on the table in quotes, if you will, if you have to defend your life or others. Same thing as a referee. We, we talked about but, the same yeah, thing as being yeah. a referee. But but yeah, it's a phenomenal term, and uh, it's a concept that is often uh, totally misunderstood. And uh, actually, if you do a uh, uh, the old it was and the Kittles in its day uh, the, the was a you know ten volume Greek dictionary of the New Testament and Kittles was pretty good I've actually gone through Kittles in there but uh, actually A T Robson does a wonderful job and uh, Trench is phenomenal I'm actually familiar with Trench's I've gone through read a number of times his analysis of of meek meekness and related virtues and uh, Trench is hard to beat in fact you'll actually find let me just say this. I want to be careful here, but I do need to mention this. Uh, vines. I used to, as someone who studied Greek, and I kind of looked down on vines because, oh, that's you know, you can just read that in English. But actually, over the years, I've come to have more and more respect for vines, even though I have all the major Greek lexicons literally right in front of me. You want to talk about Kittles, Little Kittle, Giant Kittle, Liddell, L- 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 excuse me, uh, Liddell Scott, um, what have you, um, um, Bauer, Arn Gingrich, what have you all those here, but Vines is really good, but uh, even Spirozoiatis, who I really don't use, I'm, I'm aware of his stuff, because uh, that's kind of, if you don't know Greek, you could use his stuff, but, um, but but actually, even some of his stuff, I've seen people quote him, but they don't realize he quoted, he's quoting Trench, he may have got it from Vines, I'm not sure, but he's quoting Trench, but there's no attribution. Some of his best lines are actually quoting Trench. Trench has these incredibly memorable uh, turns of phrases regarding a number of words, 
Um, so at any rate, uh, then, and that's online, Dan. Uh, again, I don't remember the website because I really don't. I don't really use that stuff normally. I, I have all this stuff right here, but occasionally I'll go online looking for something in a hurry. And at any rate, um, while I'm out of my office, and uh, but trenches stuff, somebody has it. Uh, if not, several sites have trenches synonyms in the New Testament uh, um, uh, online somewhere. Look under trench. Uh, synonyms or a trench Greek New Testament or the word meekness or whatever meek and you'll find it and I I would have to say you will uh, my personal opinion you will be hard pressed to find anybody who does a better job other than maybe A T Robertson but his is more abbreviated on the term meek and meekness. All right, hey Dan, we got to get these other callers, brother. Appreciate you, man. Merry Christmas to you and the family. All right, Merry brother. Christmas to you. I always love it when Craig breaks it down to us what those scholars have said, though. Nobody exactly. explains it better than you do, Craig. Thank uh, you. You're gracious, you. but thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Well, Dan, all the best. All right, brother. Appreciate you. one 888 talks one 888 Open on this question. We have a few lines open. Please give us a call, and we'll give you the biblical response. Let's go to, um, let's go to JR uh, in the city of L.A. JR, thanks for calling in, brother. Lord bless. Shalom, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well, my brother. How you doing? Sound like you got a little a cup of coffee and you uh, should be doing well. Oh, I am well. Matter of fact, I'm posted up at a Winchell's uh, <laughs> with one of my partners. So, See, Craig, you mentioned that cop stuff? Law enforcement security, you know where you can find us. A Winchell's or your local Yum Yum's or 7-Eleven here. I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, Joe and a couple of few jokes here. Go ahead, my brother. <laughs> What's your question for the night, JR? Okay. Well, basically... Uh, Number one, good to uh, hear you guys again. It's been a while. I've you know been a little busy. Number two, uh, I have a good friend here who uh, claims uh, Buddhism, and he brought me a magazine last night, yesterday. So I, I read a, you know some through a little bit, and and um, so but he's curious about Christianity. He says it's a lot similar. So um, I guess my question would be, uh, how many schools of thought are uh, within Buddhism? Because you know I'm doing the best I can here. Um, you know, to not offend or insult him. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, you know, he's just a great guy. He's older, and and he's he has an open heart. He's, he's listening to, you know, uh, what I have to share and say about the gospel. And you know, um, he knows I'm a believer, and I was, you know, I ask the Holy Spirit to, you know, guard and guide me, and just, you know, um, uh, you know, just take control of the conversation, the discussion. And but I say, you know what, I have a good friend who's a professor. And the whole team, you know, let's see uh, what their perspective and point of view is in the scripture. So, uh, you know, I called in, and, and um, you know, also it's my birthday tomorrow, so I wanted to just... Hey, happy birthday, young man. So, you know, I just, I'm excited, man, you know, and, and the caffeine helps, of course. So, love you, brothers, and, uh, um, you know, I had them tuned in as well. I, I told them about the broadcast, so, you know, I know Brian mentioned, you know, tell at least three friends and... and to, uh, about the broadcast, so uh, he's one of the ones that I shared with so far over here. So. Appreciate that, uh, Jr. Hey, Craig, let's get into the, some of the basic uh, fundamental difference between uh, Christianity well, sure. and Buddhism. Sure, and let's just a couple things. Now, Jr. By the way, you're going to be—I know your birthday's tomorrow. How old are you going to be? Oh man, I'll let you guess because I met you back in my early twenties. Yeah. No, no, we, no. We, I knew I knew you since you were seventeen, man. I knew okay, you since well, you were seventeen. Well, yeah. 
Okay, you don't need to At say. That was like 17, and that was 2017. Chris, I was like, hmm, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, 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 my understanding is you don't have to acknowledge this as you're like in your 40s. Here's my point, though. Either way, happy yeah. birthday. Yeah, absolutely. But it's pretty bad 41. when they're like, we call people who are in their 40s, you know, 41, <laughs> a young, young man, young person. We're that old. So, oh, man. That's number one. Number two is I had to go to San Diego. I had to get a new passport. I, I filled up my oh. previous one. I was out of pages, and you can't add them anymore. You have to get a whole new passport. Yeah, yeah. But I took one, of my, one of my boys was sick, and he went with me. And uh, we went by a Winchell's, and uh, he, I had to explain to him what a Winchell's was. He didn't know. <laughs> I said, oh, in the days of dinosaurs, your, your dad was growing up. We had this thing called Winchell's. He, he, you know, he did, he, so it's hilarious. Anyway, so can't resist that. Uh, number three, by the way, we've, we, we've had very little time with you last couple times you've called in. Sorry about that, but I'm yeah. so glad you got in earlier. No, no, that's cool. Uh, number four, yeah, yeah I'm so glad you you, you, you talked to your friend, and uh, we, and we mm-hmm. welcome him to talk with us directly as well, or just through you. That's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bo- Buddhism, absolutely, there are many schools of thought of Buddhism. The two mm-hmm. big distinctions that one has to mention are Theravada and Mahayana, are uh, sometimes called the greater and lesser. That sounds derogatory, but basically what's called Theravada, more of classical Buddhism, as found in places like Myanmar, where I was just was a couple months ago, and I'm going to be bound south, oh. Southeast Asia in just a few weeks again, um, where it dominates there, um, is, is the idea that takes this, often thousands, maybe millions of reincarnations, transmigrations oh. to, to escape uh, the will of samsara, the will of reincarnation, uh, to enter nirvana, uh, the idea of realizing the the... the well, uh, I'll talk about that in just a moment. The, the idea of the mm-hmm. illusions of distinctions and of, of even the concept of the soul and whatnot. And then the other big school of thought is called Mahayana, and that would include things like Zen Buddhism and, and many other schools. And so the, in there, there's a number of schools of thought, everything from Zen, Pure Land. There is what's called Tibetan Buddhism, the Dalai Lama. People have often heard of him. Actually, that's not his mm-hmm. name. It means Ocean of Wisdom. Uh, but at any rate, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, so there are things in common. Of course, there are the what are called the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path. Uh, you know, so those are the, the, the foundational things of Buddhism. By the way, in Buddhism, the canon of Buddhism, there's over about 300 works or so. And, and so, which one one uses? Whether it's the Lotus Sutra, which is more common in Mahayana Buddhism, not so much in Theravada, what have you. There are some distinctions there to be made, and they would disagree among themselves. I know I've actually studied with Buddhist scholars, uh, although I'm a Christian, I've actually studied with Buddhist scholars. Uh, so I, I'm saying this stuff not off the top of my head. I've actually took courses at the university with uh, people with PhDs mm. who were Buddhist, who were um, you know, uh, monks and or uh, nuns. They have nuns, actually, as well, with PhDs. At any rate, uh, so the big deal, but really they're radically different. Uh, the, the, they're both religions, okay, but other than that, they say completely different things. Um, uh, let me just say this. The Buddhism is really actually atheistic, or at least agnostic. It, the question of God's existence or a God is it really doesn't matter to Buddhists or, or to Buddhism. Uh, they say it's irrelevant. What matters is why is there suffering? Uh, yes. So Buddhism attempts and the... Uh, uh, and Gautama, of course, the issue would be, you know, why is there suffering? The idea would be because there's desire. Why do people desire things? Because they think there's a th- them, there's a you, there's a soul, and you want to satisfy these things. And so desire is because of belief that there is a you, uh, a person, a uh, distinction there separate from others, um, is the cause of this suffering. And, and these 
extinction of suffering is through the Eightfold Path. Um, but some key aspects of Buddhism would be that, again, desire, all desire, any desire is wrong because it's, it assumes there's a you. And a common Buddhist saying is, thou art not that. In Hinduism it is, thou art that. And, in the, excuse me, it's the reverse way. Apologize. In, in Hinduism, it's constantly "Thou art not that." In Buddhism, it's "Thou art that." There is no distinction. There is no soul. Indeed, it's called in English the "No Soul Doctrine." Um, and so, one is to uh, basically extinguish uh, desire, extinguish the idea there's a you, and one ends with nirvana, ultimately, which means extinction, ultimately, and it's a cessation of desire of of all distinctions. Um, but the Bible says, no, that, with all due respect, that's not the problem. And actually, by the way, desire is not the problem per se. It's desiring either good things the wrong way or desiring wrong things, bad things. But right. the Bible would say some things are good, such as to want to know the truth, a desire to, to be right with, with God or, or have the right meaning and purpose in life. And so, um, at any rate, the Bible, and the Bible would say, by the way, there is only one, if you want to talk about a bodhisattva, there's only one ultimate Buddha, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. A, a Buddha would just mean an enlightened one, right? There'd be many Buddhas. And, and in Buddhism, if the Buddha did not exist, if Gautama Siddhartha did not exist, it wouldn't matter. What matters is the teachings of right. Buddhism, okay? But in Christianity, if there's no Jesus, there is no Christianity. Him and him crucified, yes. Because... Uh, many, you know, and don't take my word for it, you can talk to Buddhist monks, leaders, what have you, they will tell you um, that, yeah, 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 I mean, the Buddha uh, Gautama Siddhartha was important, but he, he's not essential to Buddhism, but Christianity, Jesus is essential, without him, there is no Christianity, because it's not just his teachings, uh, it's his work, it is who he is and what he did, as we were talking about earlier, his atonement for us, that there really is an issue. Yeah, there's suffering, but the suffering is because of our uh, of our rebellion against God, and therefore our inhumanity towards one another, and of course, mistreatment of animals, and just fill in the blanks. So there's, uh, with all due respect, there's radical differences between Christianity and Buddhism. Now we we believe in being respectful, as they do to all people, but uh, there's radical differences. I have several books sitting here in my library, such as uh, Buddhists talk about. Uh, uh, Jesus and, and Christians talk about the Buddha and about dialogues and, and these and these calls would say, look, with all due respect, don't, we don't believe the same thing as you. Our religions are completely different. We don't have... A, here, let me give you an example. I was actually just... Uh, I went, when I was just a couple months ago, two months ago in India and uh, in Myanmar, old Burma, um, uh, sharing with a number of folks and some teaching and whatnot and one of the people in one of the classes I taught is a former Buddhist monk, and he was dialoguing with another uh, Christian there, uh, whether or not Buddhists, Buddhists have the idea, and there would be Theravada Buddhism, and, and predominantly in Myanmar, uh, officially as a religion of the country, um, uh, whether or not they had a doctrine of, of sin or salvation. And I said, well, and uh, salvation, and, and one was saying they don't even have that term. They don't have that concept. And I said, well, that's not really true. And the other one said they did. And I said, here's why. Because salvation really means deliverance. And Buddhists, Theravada, or Mahayanas do believe in deliverance. Well, one must be delivered from suffering, from the will of samsara of reincarnation, if you will. And so they want to be delivered from that, from false teaching, false ideas, wrong thinking, wrong actions, right? Part of the Eightfold Path. So there is a concept of salvation. The problem is Christians often give it the, it's the spin of the religious definition, 
but they miss its natural meaning as well, which is simply deliverance. Now, we would argue it's ultimately from sin, and what ultimately ails us is not, with all due respect, what Buddhists think. It is, it is because we think we are independent of God, we don't need God, and we can do as we please and go our own way. So there's a lot to dialogue here, a lot to talk about. And um, again, I uh, have a lot of you know the Buddhist scriptures, if you will, read them, if you will, also studied them. And uh, but I do want to recommend a book to you, and perhaps to your friend, if he's willing. It's a small book, so it's not an intimidating work. It's by J. Uh, Yamamoto, J. Yamamoto, Jero Yamamoto to anglicize it. Last name spelled Y. A. M. A. M. O. T. O. One more time, Y. A. M. A. M. O. T. O. It's just called Buddhism. Actually, Buddhism, Taoism, and other. Far Eastern religions, but Buddhism will get you the book. It's a small book, done staccato, outline style. It goes through and I think very accurately describes the various, the major forms of Buddhism, and then compares and contrasts Buddhism with Christianity in a very respectful, very civil uh, format, and points out the differences. And yes, it's coming from a Christian perspective. I don't want to deny that, but I would argue as an academic, Yamamoto is really good, very fair and very respectful of Buddhist and Buddhist teachings, but shows how they differ from one another. And I would really encourage uh, your friend to get a copy of that book. You buy him one if you can, uh, you know, JR. Um, and uh, let's talk some more. Absolutely. Okay, my brother. Yamamoto? Yes. Yeah, Jay Yamamoto. Just use Jay because uh, okay. uh, he's actually got, of course, uh, um, an Asian name, and uh, some people have trouble with the spelling. Okay, so he just goes, to simplify, so he just goes Yeah, I just wrote it up on my clipboard here in my notes. Uh, well, I, I really appreciate it, gentlemen. That's a perfect answer. Uh, I knew there was a lot of schools of thoughts there. And uh, this guy, you know, he's nice and, and gentle. He's humble. He's just, uh, you know, he's curious. He's hungry. He's thirsty, man. And, and I just, uh, I keep the sense of humor. And, and you know, um, we just do the best we can to share that. And, and, you know, you guys are awesome. You guys keep on plugging away because, uh, you know, without a good, healthy uh, foundation, sound doctrine uh, like this, I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's just rare, you know, uh, that TVN and, and different things. It's just like a circus sometimes, you know? Yeah, it's true, Jay. And we ought to do our apologetics, or to, you know, defend what we believe with gentleness and respect. And I appreciate your attitude, brother. As you were young, now you're older and more mature. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and uh, as you have further dialogue with this gentleman, as he has specific mm-hmm. questions or disagreements, feel free if he, he can call in. Of Absolutely. Course, you know that. But if he doesn't feel comfortable, you can represent him mm-hmm. and, and just give those questions or concerns. And we'd love to be more specific Absolutely. and precise and, and, and mm-hmm. comparing and contrasting Christianity with Buddhism. Appreciate you, Jaron. Mm-hmm. Get to these other calls, brother. Thank you now. Merry Christmas. Say hi to your well, I got my brother cigar here. You guys have a good night. And I'm, I'm going to see my parents tomorrow. We're going to have a, a buffet meal so i'm going to say hi to him for absolutely. you absolutely uh, yeah please do that you know, love you guys, man you uh, guys uh you know you guys are so awesome you guys have been my mentors for a long time and uh, <laughs> I feel like uh you know i've been adopted or something <laughs> thank you my brother for so kind thank you my All brother right. Ladies and gentlemen, you listen to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of Bible Information Brokers. Please give us a call, one triple eight LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven PCH. This is the fourth quarter. So that's uh we had some calls that drop. I got the questions. We'll deal with those, but we're gonna honor those that hung on. And let's go to Ken in the city of Gardena. Ken, thanks for holding on and calling in. Hi, how are you doing? Doing well, my brother. And what's your question for the night? Well, my question is um uh regarding the Schofield Bible that was that uh was uh I think it was published back in the early 20s, and uh, they promulgated uh, the concept of um, of uh, 
the rapture, and there's nothing really in the Bible about the rapture, and I was wondering if uh, if uh, PCH uh, believes we're going to go through the tribulation, or if there's going to be such a thing as a rapture. Now, when you say there's no, no such thing as rapture in the Bible, you mean the word rapture, but now you're not talking about the concept, as it were, right? You do understand that the concept yes. is there, but yes. not the word. Okay. Go ahead, PCH. Well, yeah, so I'm trying to understand... Um, you know, from a standpoint of of what was promulgated through the, the Schofield Bible um, is something that holds to Scripture, or if uh, that's something that isn't necessarily... Right. Got gotcha. you. PCH, you were, PCH, you were just talking about some of the, the older books back in the day that were some were classic and some not necessarily because it's older doesn't mean that it's wrong or right. But let's talk about what he's saying from the standpoint of Schofield. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, of course, um, yeah, this is an in-house discussion. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great scholars and a lot of great Christians who are uh, dispensationalists. Uh, Schofield would be... Uh, you know, one of the great progenitors of that. Um, and, of course, and I would argue, really, from the views of John Nelson Darby, I mean, dispensationalism is variously defined, but minimally as at least three distinctives. Some will say five, but minimally. And one of them would be a separation between church and Israel, the church and Israel, number two in any order, would be uh, from three to seven or 11, 12 dispensations. And um, and another one is, and then the key, one of the key ones is, the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture, premillennial uh, pre-tribulationalism. The church will be there will be a thousand-year reign of Christ, but before that, seven years even before that, the church will be uh, raptured out of the world. Uh, coming from the Latin rapture, yeah, it's not the word uh, harpazo; it's the to snatch, which is in First Thessalonians four, to take or seize. Um, and so that's where the, the the word comes from. The idea. And, yeah, I would say uh, why I have great respect for my colleagues and others who hold that view. I, I, I would respectfully disagree. Uh, I would argue the Bible doesn't teach it. I, I do believe. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do believe. I know I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> you don't believe that you're wrong. Unfortunately, that the Church is going to go through the Tribulation, I would argue, number one, that's, I argue that's what the Bible teaches. And I, I would say with all due respect, people read their view into the Bible. They eisegete instead of exegete. And I would argue the early church knows nothing of this. The early church believes it was going to go through the tribulation. It was going to, and it's not that we're looking forward to seeing the Antichrist. That's not it at all. That's a caricature of the position. It is just simply the view that the church will suffer and will go through that. And that, that's my perspective. So I hold to what's called historical premillennialism. That would be my view. And I, would, I believe that based upon a number of passages and then, then the historical context. When first and foremost, it would be the exegetical work, I would argue key passages like First Thessalonians 4 and others uh, do not teach that the church will be raptured out here. Again, I hope I'm wrong. I, 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 I'm more than willing and ready to take a ribbing in heaven by all my, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, pre-trib brothers and sisters. Uh, Hawkins, you were wrong. Egg on your face. Good. Yeah, I hope they're right. But if if I'm right, I really fear for the well-being of many of my brothers and sisters who I think they've got the e-ticket out of here and they're going to face serious persecution. I'm not sure they're ready for that and that they may indeed stumble. So I just think it's a matter that, uh, well worth spending some time on. But anyways, I, I said a few things there. Did you want to respond to that? Yeah, so um, so was it the Schofield Bible that sort of promulgated the whole idea of the rapture? 
Well, that's that's uh, one of the, the great ones. I mean, Dallas Theological Seminary. I mean, is um, and uh, uh, you know, so so definitely uh, Schofield is yeah, you know, one of and Sperry Lewis Chafer would be the, uh, another really big source. You have to take into consideration the Dallas Theological Seminary and being one of the powerhouses of of dispensing, uh, dispensationalism. Uh, and certainly going back to uh, Sperry Lewis Chafer, that's another source you didn't mention. Spelled C H A F E R. I believe that's correct. It's, anyway, it starts with a C, not an S. Um, and of course, you think of like John Walvert and others. But yeah, but it would be Schofield and Chafer and others who who, who were the main uh, sources of popularizing uh, dispensationalism in America, in particular. That makes sense. Why uh, Hal Lindsey picked it up with late great planter because he went to Dallas. Exactly, and he studied under Walvert and those guys. Yeah, exactly. Okay, hey, hey Ken, uh, anything else, yeah. brother, before we go to other calls? Oh, yeah, go ahead. I appreciate your call. Thank you very much, man, yeah. Ken. Appreciate your Bye. call, brother. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the source uh, of it, and I would argue it comes from John Nelson Darby in particular. That's the right. 1820s, 1830s, and yeah, I know there's some people. There's a book out. Uh, a good guy has a book called. Uh, Dispensationalism before Darby, and he would argue that look, you'll find it uh, in other authors. And I will say, yeah, you probably do about a hundred years before that. You're still talking the 1700s. When I say early church, I mean 100. Exactly. <laughs> and they'll say, well, wait, hold on, hold on. There's a guy called Pseudo Ephraim, and he teaches it. And I'm like, well, first of all, Pseudo Ephraim is after the rise of Islam. Uh, early church, I mean before that, because he references Islam. And furthermore, the, the, the idea that he, he that he mentions or teaches a, a, a pre-tribulation rapture is 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 really really hotly contested. It appears in context where he's talking about people seeing Christ is because they're going to their their own death. It's not the rapture; it is the death of the saint. So, at any rate, I'm familiar with that literature as well, and I would just respectfully, civilly disagree. It's not I'm not going to fight over it, but <laughs> yeah. I would respectfully disagree, and I would challenge people. And, and as I've done in the past, I've gone through on the air and exegeted some key passages. And I would say the, my arguments aren't primarily historical, or it's not what's called an argument novatum, uh, an appeal to a, a new, or something's wrong because it's new. It's what's called the time fallacy and in informal logic. Um, my main argument is exegetically, based upon the New Testament, that it's read into the passage, and that passages people think teach it, I would argue really don't, and there's some that I would argue clearly teach the opposite. Amen, amen. All right, let's go back to the phone, uh, folks. I want you to hold on after we get through our phone calls, so we're going to spend a little time with you and let you know how you can be very supportive of this ministry. So hang on in there. We're going to go back to the phone calls and talk with Jeffrey from Whittier. Jeffrey, thanks for holding on and calling in. Hey, Jeffrey, you're with us online. Hi, Jeffrey, you there? Maybe he was raptured. Ah, interesting. Okay, Jeffrey, I'm going to put you on hold. I got your question, Jeffrey. So I'm going to put you on hold, and we're going to go right quickly to uh, Kevin in the city of Inglewood. Kevin, thanks for holding on and calling in. Kevin, go ahead. Kevin, can you hear me? I need you to turn off that radio in the background, though, so we won't have any feedback. Hi, how are you? Doing well, Kevin. If you can turn that radio off so we won't get any feedback and a little time delay. Thank you very much, sir. Hey, what's your, what's your question for the night out there in the good old Inglewood? <laughs> My question was, did Constantine actually change the Bible? And what, I mean, I've heard the argument off and on, never from any uh, scholars, just, you know, you're in the street and people are trying to avoid different things. And 
throw different things in the equation and try to stay on the topic. Uh, I've been listening to you guys for a couple years. I know you guys don't shoot from the hip. You guys are studying and really coming with the uh, biblical perspective and truth. So, so you mean people trying like to, to okay, people trying to okie doke you and bamboozle you on the street with just some? Uh, oh, hey, well, you know, man, uh, the white man wrote that Bible and you know, uh, Constantine. You know, come on, he, he changed the Bible. all that. Oh, okay, I just want to know. I just want to know what street you're in. I'm, I'm from Inglewood, so I know what's up with that. But yeah. go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's my question. PCH. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Yeah, no, he, he didn't. In fact, we still have what's called the Council of Nicaea, which he did, in fact, say, hey, look, there was a, some debates going on in the Church, but those actually were not over Scripture. They were actually, in this case, over uh, Jesus. Was he homoousia or homoousia? <laughs> was he of a like nature or similar nature? Yeah, yeah I've never, never heard of this stuff, as you can tell. <laughs> so at any rate, um, mm-hmm. and so he did press them to get together, but... He, he, it was not like he said, this is what you're going to say and do, and we're talking 325, uh, you know, so at any rate, no, that's not true. We have the actual records of the council and what they're dealing with, and it's not dealing with the Bible. That A lot of that's basically uh, assumed uh, it, it, what's called the homologeo, uh, um, the, uh, excuse me, not homologeo, the homologumina, uh, the the. Eighty percent of the New Testament, the church was in complete agreement about. So that's he's not rewriting the Bible. There's no proof, no evidence for that. There's no manuscript evidence. There's no evidence from um, from uh, history. This is only second. This is actually second to the claim that actually in 553, it's what's called the Second Council of of of, of Constantinople that uh, they changed the Bible. Um, and you hear this stuff, and and you find out even there as well. It's not that. And we have manuscripts from this area, from this period, uh, complete ones and partials, and we, there's no changes. There's, you can't find any of this stuff that's allegedly been added. When you look at the objective evidence, manuscript evidence, the bulk of it would be partial manuscripts of the New Testament. Not one of them supports the claims that the Bible was tampered with or altered. I mean, it, was, it wasn't that complex for me, just from like a regular layman. My question would be, as often, what part did he change? You know, if you say if you said he actually changed it, if I buy that theory as truth, then as you would go through the book, the Bible, you would be able to. He changed this, 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 and this. Even if you could say what it was changed from, you should be able to present what Precisely. part he did change or did. Our Mormon friends do this. Argument from anyone. Yes. You know, Kevin, a two-shaped good for you, brother. The Mormons do the same thing, and others show the witnesses, oh, it's been tampered with, and you say and ask them exactly what I do. Well, where? where what? What? Mm-hmm. So let me give you one more example here. But let's say we had no manuscript evidence. Well, actually, we do. Okay. But the New Testament is quoted over 30,000 times. Now, I'm not talking about what are called allusions, you know, vague references. I'm not talking about paraphrases. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about referencing. It's quoted verbatim about 30-plus mm-hmm. thousand times by 300. It's over 30, mm-hmm. almost 40,000 by 325 by the time the Council of Nicaea meets. So we have all these quotes from all these people through various parts of the world, if you will, that the, that the Gospel's already gone to, by the 300, 300 A.D. So we ought to find a discrepancy. The, the, these people, we talk to them, whether it's the Black Hebrew Movement or whomever, right? Okay, so mm-hmm. show me... The quote, show me what you're talking about. That's what I'm looking for. Just show me the part that's been changed so I can be enlightened and maybe I can be converted to something exactly, else. Exactly. Just show yeah, me yeah. some evidence. That's all and I'm saying. Never never, no one's ever presented well, they any evidence. It's a quick throw-in in the middle of uh, your conversation. 
Well, and that's all it is. It's, it's everybody knows the, con- the Bible's been tampered with, and I'm like, I'm a buddy, and mm-hmm. I don't know it. I teach at a law school. Mm-hmm. I'm into evidence. I want evidence. And, uh, oh, yeah. and so you look at this, and again, 30,000 quotes, so basically you can reconstruct almost the entire New Testament from from if we had no not one manuscript, and we do. Yeah, I'm familiar with that, yeah. So, yeah. And so I've heard yeah, you so, argue different yeah. points from that point of view. So I mm-hmm. took your argument point of view and presented it to them, Never had anyone uh, be able to, like when people say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. I'm like, okay, just uh, give me those scriptures, and then uh, I'll go home and do my homework, exactly. and I'll come back and let you know. Never come yeah. up with it. So they did a Michael yeah. Jackson on you. Yeah, my motto is... <laughs> okay, you know, okay. That's cool. Yeah, that's a good one. Kevin, as far as you heard me say, is that uh, it's like anybody can sue anybody, take somebody to court, winning's another matter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, proof that is it. true. Now you're in a court of law. Accusations don't, accusations are not proof. And this, our society confuses that I have a right to have an opinion, that I can talk about mm-hmm. it on the radio or otherwise, that somehow that makes it true. <laughs> they have the idea that yeah, they make an accusation that that's proof. And that's, you, you know, of course, that's not the same. Yeah, and okay. I'm familiar with that. It's a part of the generation change. One of the, yes. I'm 54, and I always say this. There was a time you can argue with someone and disagree to disagree, and that was it. And it was noted that that's your opinion. Now, when people present opinion, they present their opinion as if it's actual, factual. And that's a big problem that, you know, I'm down in Venice Beach. I do a lot of work in Venice Beach, the homeless and the standing up. I have a business down there. And uh, I'm like, when you present your opinion, it doesn't make it a fact. It's like arguing sports with someone before the Internet existed. You can argue (laughs) for 100 years. Now you can just Google it and say who made the most free throws or, or points. It's not an arguable point, but on this one, when I checked the Internet, it was never uh, defined in a way that I was willing to accept it as any evidence really being proven. So I really thank you. You guys did a great job. You know, um, just it's nothing I can say. All praises to God. Appreciate it. Great job. Before you go, I will say this, Kev. This is is irrefutable. Uh, Also, uh, Craig talked about his young voice. When you said how old you were, I'm thinking 54. You're very Mm -hmm. much younger sounding than Craig thinks he's younger sounding. And that is a fact. We can play back the evidence. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, oh, Okay. Appreciate okay. you. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Thanks, hey, hey, What was the Jackson comment? I didn't get that. I said it, I said the guys on the street, when they do, when they throw things out that to you, when you put it back to them, okay, well, you know, there's contradictions. You know, show it to me. And I said, everybody start doing a Michael Jackson moonwalk. Oh, okay. Even though he, even though he made it popular, he didn't. He was not the originator of moonwalking. I want people to know that. You know, just my little uh, understanding without googling it. Anyway, listen. We had Jeffrey on the line. He said he was on mute. The guys told me so. Let's go back to Jeffrey Craig and Whittier. And Jeffrey, you unmuted us. Yes, how my are you? man. How you doing, Thanks, Jeffrey? Thanks for unmuting us. Now we can get to your question, my brother. You know what? I think the Holy Spirit was helping me get it uh, uh, right, so that way I'd be able to share it in a way that wouldn't be offensive to anyone. Well, we don't but mean to be, be offensive, but sometimes sometime the gospel yeah, is going to be an um, offense. I grew up Catholic my whole life, with the exception of the last four years, uh, being Christian, getting into my Bible, and really um, uh, believing my Bible to be 100% truth, uh, and reading the Word and trying to practice it. Um, and now, it's like I get offended when... I hear that, you know, uh, our Blessed Mother uh, is, you know, the, the mother of, of, of all mankind, and, um, you know, we should adorn her and praise her and all these things. Well, I mean, I appreciate her role, uh, obviously, in the Bible, and, and, uh, and she holds a, a special part in my heart. My thing is that every time I try to express 
that uh, you know Jesus should be our connection to God, and that we don't really need to have someone else to uh, intercede for us. Um, by building that relationship with Jesus, you know, it's a it's a more uh, personal and um, um, uh, fulfilling relationship. I just don't ever seem to be able to get the point across because I think I offend people when I say you shouldn't pray to Mary or you know we don't need to use her for an intercession or maybe I should just keep my mouth shut. I'm not sure. Mm. You know that that is a tough one. Uh, half of my family on my mom's side is uh, Roman Catholic, and um, yes. you know we did that because I believe that you know you've heard us say before. If you haven't heard, we all Catholic, which means universal. And PC, let's right. deal with the idea of praying to Mary. And before we uh, make some closing thoughts, well, sure. And Jeffrey, thanks for the question. Yeah, and the comments. And yeah, I, I just want to say this. I have some sure so much you shouldn't speak. You just have to know though that. Even Aquinas, who they would call the theologian in Roman Catholic theology, he's called the theologian. Even mm-hmm. Aquinas said and argued that knowledge does not entail belief. You can know something, doesn't mean people are going to accept it. So we right. need to understand you can give sometimes a phenomenal argument or presentation. Uh, I'll have people sometimes say, "Well, look, I, I talked to somebody, and I want your input, PCH," and right. uh, they'll they'll tell me, and I go, "Look, you argued better than I can." Mm-hmm. I, but but the the only mistake they made was that they thought if I gave them a really good argument that, that they're also <laughs> going to convert. They're going right. to see, "Oh, wow, right. of course." <laughs> but but, right. but we're we're emotional beings. There's other things involved. There's the sociology, sociological aspects of knowledge and whatnot, and so. I'm not saying don't don't share. You'll, yeah, you always want to be sensitive and know who you're talking to and right. what, you know how they're probably going to receive it. But it doesn't mean we don't speak it. It's just I want to be as appropriate and as sensitive as possible, but still speaking the truth in love. But you just got to know okay. you could give the best. Look, Jesus himself came. Let me just cut to the chase here. Jesus himself right. came here, the Son of God, God the Son, and they killed him. Okay, I mean, you know, right. if if they did that to Jesus, as he says, if they did this to the master of the house, what do you think they're going to... They called me Beelzebub. They called me Prince yeah. of Demons. What do you think they got for you? Um, so, you know, my friend, that's the only thing I would say. I appreciate right. what you're sharing, and you're on the money. You just got to know that, especially sometimes with family, as Jesus said, you know, a prophet was yeah. without honor in his home country. Sometimes it's like, yeah, well, you know, your mom, I, re- I change your diapers. Don't you tell me anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's so true. And I just, um, um, sometimes I'm very passionate about, uh, you know, my conversion to Christianity, just to say, other than the fact that now in my Bible, I believe it to be the actual truth. So I'll just say, where does it say in the Bible? Show me where it says in the Bible we should pray to her. I'll do it. Show me in the Bible where it says we need to say the rosary. I'll do it. Yeah. Show me in the Bible where it says whatever's. And because, you know, I can't go wrong when I meet my maker and, and let God know. I just followed what was in my Bible. Well, let me let me you say this, I mean? uh, uh, if I could, Jeffrey, real quick before we sure. let you go. we got to get to a closing here. Okay. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, Christ, uh, Paul says, and if Paul says this, it's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. Where in 1 Corinthians, I think it's about first verse, I mean, uh, chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with with wisdom and eloquence, least the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. We don't ever want us to be like I think Craig is alluding to. It's not our words. It's the power of the gospel, like you said, the word of God. It would, his word would not return on him void, but would accomplish the very thing for which he sent it out. And the gospel is for us to be preached and not because of our eloquence, or our persuasive speech. We don't, I would not want that power. I would not even so, yeah. want it at all. 
Yeah. So lastly, like yeah, we don't go to the other extreme and disrespect Mary, but we don't give right. her the honor, the hyperdulia that the Roman Catholics would want us to give. But we point out respectfully, she said, you know, at the wedding of Cana, listen to my son. And what does her son tell us in First Timothy 2.5? We know there's one mediator between God and man. Right. One, not two, not three. Right. The man, Christ Jesus, not Mary, with right. all due respect. I don't need to talk to his mother. The argument is, well, you get to someone through their mother. Look, I get to talk to the man directly. He told me to. Right. With all due respect to his mom, may she have a great day. Uh, I don't need to talk to her. Hey, Jeffrey, yeah, we got to go ahead, Jeffrey. Last thought. Try, I think the enemy will, tries to um, find his way into anything uh, to cause disturbance and Exactly. Distraction, I guess, right? And to keep people apart instead of people together. So Amen. I disagree. So maybe I'll just be more Christian-like and know when to keep my mouth shut. Well, just or, uh, speak the truth in love, like you said. Just, yeah. you know, with, with that hard attitude that, you know, you got the truth. If they're speaking up, I always like to talk to people the way that they talk. Yeah. I let them present the argument, escalate, de-escalate, as we talked about earlier. Hey, brother, right. thank you very much for your thank phone you, call. Thank you, Jeffrey. God bless you guys. Hey, PCA, before I give you the turns to mic to you, I just want to tell Vivian, who called from La Harbor, wanted to know about how to witness to Mormons. If you would call back next week along with Chris, who wanted to talk about an interesting subject, Craig, dealing with um, sex and Christianity, those that may talk about the deity of Christ, but not as the Savior. And if though of Chris and Vivian, if you feel so kind, give us a call back next week, or we'll try to deal with those questions because I have them written down, and we'll do it next week. Wow, those sounds like great, great questions. Uh, excellent questions. That's why I wanted to mention it to you. PCA, you got 90 seconds, my brother. Give me your final thoughts. Yeah, we talked a lot about the law tonight and Christianity, and of course uh, the law has its place as, as a mirror for sanctification. It's called the third use of the law as a place for a society, a civil use of the law. We can't rape and pillage and harm one another, uh, but we can never by the law earn or merit God's favors. That was a key point tonight. And, you know, we're reflecting upon Christmas. It's around the corner, and literally, again, Christmas from uh, Latin means Christ sent, and that's what it's all about. But not just a cute little baby, which, of course, it's almost outlawed most places to have a crash or a manger scene. Uh, but, you know, those who accept the baby, but, you no, know, accept the man, uh, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who said he was the Savior of the world, who came to uh, pay the penalty in full, in total. He bought your Christmas present, not, didn't do the layaway plan, not the down payment, in full paid the penalty for your sins that you might receive the ultimate gift, Fellowship, relationship, and then fellowship with God, eternal life, that and life more abundantly through Christ and through Him alone. Receive the ultimate Christmas gift this Christmas. Amen and amen. PCH, I know and we did mention about it. I want to let the people know. Go to our website and please support us financially. We do need to hear from you. And if you'd be so kind also, if you want to include in that financial giving, if you want to designate it uh, to Professor Craig Hawkins and uh, his ministry going there to teach people overseas, we're going to let you know about that in the next three weeks so that we can really pound into it. We want to get a windfall. Let's have the professor not dig deep so deep in his pockets all the time to do ministry, but send the soldiers to war by sending those that we will to go. Professor's willing to go. I'm willing to go. Brian's willing to go. We do various things. This is a spiritual battle that we're fighting, even on the open form, the Bible information brokers. Think about it that way. You give brokers your money, well, give us your money, God's money that you're in charge of, so we might be able to perpetuate God's word and give it in a more succinct way. Been on 20 years. It's my 20th year, PCH, and Brian with me 18 years. So on behalf of Andy, I'm looking over there where Andy's going. And Eric, uh, PCH, my name is Daryl Easy D. Fulton, Mama Grace, and Big Daddy's Baby Boy saying we'll see you next week, Lord willing.